and welcome to the Nature Storyteller Podcast. Today, we have two stories to share with you about nature and folklore. The first story is a traditional English tale about three brothers. The elder two brothers were lazy and wanted to trick their youngest brother, Jack, into giving them his share of the family farm. They planned to send him to heaven in a sack. Now, Please take a moment to relax, get comfortable, and focus on your breathing. Now, allow the magic of storytelling to transport you to a mystical place deep within your own imagination. Once upon a time and a long time ago, three brothers lived on a farm. The two older brothers were greedy and lazy, whilst the youngest brother, Jack, was a happy-go-lucky chap who didn't seem to notice the cruel things his older brothers said about him, or, if he did, he never reacted to them. The two older brothers hatched a plan to make sure Jack would not inherit his share of the family farm so that they could share it between themselves. The two older brothers told Jack they had found a way to get to heaven and not only that, but once in heaven, they could help themselves to anything they wanted, including driving the finest sheep back to the farm for their flocks so they would never have to work hard again. The brothers took a large sack and they made it look like a tunnel entrance and told Jack this was the fastest way to heaven. They decided to let Jack, their wonderful younger brother, who worked so hard at the farm, to go first. Now, Jack was pleased to be first, as getting anything first when you're a younger brother is very rare indeed. The two elder brothers told Jack that they planned to take Jack to the lake, as that was the best way to get to heaven, and they would carry him to the lake in the sack so that no one else would know about their plans. Jack being a trusting young man, agreed, and he willingly climbed into the sack that looked like a tunnel entrance his brothers had made for him. The three brothers set off for the lake. His two brothers, who did very little walking, had developed a real thirst before they were even halfway there, and they decided to stop off at the local pub called the Woolsack. But rather than tell Jack that, they decided to say to him that they were going to run ahead to the lake and clear any rocks out of the way, as this would make it easier for them to get Jack to heaven. Once again, Jack trusted his brothers and agreed to be left outside the wall pack in the sack. Jack 
began singing to keep himself entertained and while away the time. It was no surprise as the son of a sheep farmer on his way to heaven that Jack began singing, The Lord is my shepherd. After a while, a man was passing the wall sack when he heard the singing coming from the sack outside. He stopped to listen and could hear Jack cheerfully singing from inside the sack. The man was so surprised he had to look closer, completely forgetting the sheep he had just stolen that he was supposed to be driving out of the valley so he could sell them at the market. The sheep rustler asked Jack why he was singing in a sack. And Jack explained just what his brothers had told him and that he would bring back the finest flock of sheep from heaven once he got there. Now, the sheep rustler, never one to miss an opportunity, thought quickly and said to Jack, I'm not from around this area and will only ever pass this way once, whereas you, born and grew up here, can pass this way every day. If you would swap places with me, I will give you all my sheep and... I will go to heaven and drive the finest sheep in heaven back for you. Jack had a kind heart and agreed to let the sheep rustler take his place and go to heaven first. The sheep rustler untied the sack and Jack jumped out. Before the sheep rustler asked Jack to hold the sack open to allow him to jump in. Once the rustler was in the sack. Jack tied the sack back up as the sheep rustler requested him to do. Then Jack rounded up the rustler's sheep and went back home. Feeling refreshed after their drinks at the inn, the brothers picked up the sack. It felt heavier than before, but they thought the quick drink or two in the pub might have taken some of their strength. And it wasn't long before they began to moan and groan and said that Jack should watch how much he ate and that he weighed too much. Now, the sheep rustler was a devious man and he had already decided to stay quiet and not answer any of the brothers' questions as he was rightly concerned that they might realise it was not Jack in the sack. The brothers moaned and groaned all the way to the lake. When they got there, just as they planned, they climbed to the rock that overhung the deepest part of the lake and they threw the sack into the crystal clear waters below. The sack splashed into the waters and sank beneath the surface. Feeling satisfied after all their efforts, the brothers put their arms around each other's shoulders and jumped around in circles of joy. Their plan had worked. After celebrating their success, the brothers felt tired and decided to return home to the farm. But when they got home, the brothers saw Jack, who had returned with a flock of heavenly sheep before them. 
They were so surprised and they couldn't believe their own eyes. They wondered how had Jack got back before them and how was he completely dry? Jack just smiled at his brothers and said he had returned with as many sheep as he could manage. However, there were so many more sheep and he couldn't drive them all alone. But Jack promised his brothers he could take them to the exact place where he had left the other sheep. Then Jack cast his eyes towards the darkening sky and said, It's too late to make the journey tonight, but we can make an early start in the morning. The two greedy and lazy brothers couldn't wait to get to heaven and grab what they saw as their heavenly Jews. At first light, Jack and his brothers set off towards the lake, each with a sack to get them to heaven the fastest way. Along the way, Jack paused occasionally, and he looked up to the sky and could see the small, white, fluffy clouds floating above the valley on a gentle breeze. When the brothers reached the lake, they climbed to the top of the large, craggy rock that overhung the lake's deepest waters. But neither of the brothers leapt into the lake. You see, the two older brothers were so greedy and so selfish that neither one of them would trust the other to go first, fearing the other would not lead them to the magnificent flocks of sheep in heaven. They argued and argued on and on continuously until Jack, who had stood quietly whilst his brothers argued, said after some time and as the fluffy white clouds in the clear blue sky all aligned above the crystal clear waters of the lake jack called his brothers and pointed to the lake look down in the water said jack it's full of fluffy white sheep i've never seen so many sheep in my whole life The two brothers were so greedy that they stopped arguing and rushed to the edge of the rock and looked down at the water. Together, they gasped. The lake was indeed full of fluffy, white, heavenly sheep, just as Jack had said. Their greedy eyes locked as they thought they would never have to work again if they had all of those sheep. The brothers looked at each other and decided to jump off the rock together to go and gather all of the sheep. The brothers climbed into their sacks and looked at Jack, telling him not to follow them, as all the sheep were theirs and they would not be sharing the sheep with him. Then they hopped into their sacks together to the edge of the rock and leapt off high into the air before descending towards the lake's crystal clear waters. It was with a huge splash that the brothers entered the lake and quickly sank out of sight. Jack turned around, deciding not to look back and began to walk back towards the village. On his way home, Jack called by the field where he had left the other sheep the day before, and then he drove them back to the farm.
the sheep were well behaved and happy to have a caring and considerate owner like Jack. And of course, Jack lived happily ever after on his farm, which he shared only with his wife and family. Well, it seems that Jack's brothers and that naughty sheep rustler were driven by greed and ended up at the bottom of the lake rather than going to heaven. I'm pretty confident that Jack's life would have been so much better without them. And now it's time for our main story. For the first time, we'll be telling a tale from Irish folklore. And it features the legendary character of Finn McCool and his band of warriors, the Fianna. So if you're ready, close your eyes if it is safe to do so and relax. And let me take you to the west coast of Ireland on a chilly autumn night and immerse ourselves in the story of Oisin that's coming up next on this week's Nature Storyteller podcast. Finn McCool was a great warrior who loved nothing more than a feast with stories and songs and an adventure of chasing wild deer with his hounds and the Fianna. The Fianna were Finn's men and the most feared band of warriors throughout all of Ireland. One day, whilst Finn was out in the woods, his hounds, Bran and Shalon, caught the scent of a doe and began to chase. As the chase developed, it was clear to Finn that the doe appeared to be in charge, leading his hounds on a chase through the forest and teasing them with her agility. Finn was fascinated by the doe's speed and agility, and he followed eagerly, keen to catch such a prize. Soon, only Finn and his two hounds were keeping up with her. That's when Finn saw his hounds running playfully beside her instead of chasing the doe and Finn knew this was no ordinary deer and he was captivated. The doe stopped as if she were waiting for Finn to catch her up and when he did she turned to look at him and he saw her large dark obsidian eyes. Finn shook his head in disbelief and realized that there was something very special about her. A long time later, Finn forced the doe into a rocky area of the mountains and managed to get her trapped. But when he arrived, he saw his two hounds, Bran and Sherlin, 
standing before her, not holding her, but protecting her by snarling at Finn. Finn had never seen such behaviour from his hounds and he knew that this doe must be something truly exceptional. It was then that Finn felt the tingling sensation in his right thumb, a feeling he knew meant he was in the presence of fairy magic, a feeling he had not had since his thumb was dipped in a magic potion as a child. It was the night before Samhain, and that's the time of the year when the distance between this world and the fairy realm is so thin that it is possible to pass from one realm to another. Bran and Sheolin, Finn's hounds, had come from that very place, and Finn knew that they were protecting one of their own. Finn climbed off his horse, threw down his spear and sword, and with his arms stretched out wide, clearly showing he was unarmed, called his hounds away. Bran and Sholin slowly moved away from the trembling doe. The doe then stepped towards Finn, her path to freedom now clear, and as she passed Finn, she brushed against him before walking on a little further and pausing to look around at Finn. Again, he saw her beautiful dark obsidian eyes that felt like they could see into his heart and they burnt into his soul. It was then that the doe dropped to her knees and began to twist as her tormented body went into a spasm. Her front legs drew up into her body and her neck stretched and her head changed from that of a deer to one of a woman. Her russet red hair was long and flowing down her back. She stopped riding on the ground and stood up, her long legs bringing her to her full height, which was equal to that of Finn, before she turned to face him. Finn saw the face of the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. Her eyes as dark as obsidian and her complexion as fair as the finest spring morning dew. It was then she spoke. Her name was Saba. And she would tell Finn her whole story once they got to the safety of his home. Captivated, Finn agreed and they set off. The woman dismounted from her horse when they arrived at Finn's castle. She waited there at the threshold, adhering to fairy tradition. Finn invited her into his home and they were soon followed by the Fianna, who had been left so far behind after pursuing that mystical doe all day long. Later, Saba confided in Finn that she was from the fairy realm and had crossed to this world on Samhain Eve to escape from a fairy magician who had desired her. She had always turned down his gifts and his advances, but still he continued. Eventually, 
Having failed in all his attempts to make her his own, the fairy magician resorted to using his magic to transform her into a deer, banishing her to live in the other world where she would be hunted forever. Saba had heard of Finn and knew that he was a kind-hearted man. They soon fell in love and spent their days in the woodlands while the Fianna remained loyal to their leader but grew ever more restless. Finn announced that deer hunting with dogs would no longer be permitted in his kingdom as Saba had so many friends amongst the deer and other woodland animals. The Fianna were unhappy with this decision, but Finn had no choice when a messenger arrived requesting his and the Fianna's help to protect Ireland from invaders. Despite his reluctance to leave Saba, Finn gathered the Fianna and they prepared to defend their land of Ireland. Finn and the Fianna departed towards the coast at dawn, leaving Saba in the care of his most trusted steward. Every evening, Saba would climb to the top of the castle walls and look west, hoping to see Finn and the Fianna returning. And when she didn't see them, she would return to her bedroom, crying and sobbing for him. After two complete cycles of the moon, Saba was at the top of the castle when she saw a solitary horse and rider appear in a clearing of the woods to the west. She strained her eyes, thinking it could be Finn, but why? Why would he be alone? Saba turned to the steward, who also thought it could be Finn, but expressed caution. But it was too late. Saba had hopped over the castle wall and with a fantastic agility was climbing down the steep walls to meet the approaching rider. The steward looked down at the castle drawbridge, which was closed. On the hard ground where it lay when it was open, he saw Saba and the unknown rider whom she thought was fit. As the rider arrived, she threw her arms around him and then the steward heard her cry out, No, no, it can't be. How have you found me? You are the one person I never wanted to see ever again. In a single movement, the fairy magician reached down and swept Saba off the ground and onto the back of his horse, and he took off at high speeds towards the dark woodland. The steward immediately ordered the guards to give chase and return Saba to them, as the rider was clearly not Finn. The guards set off as quickly as possible, but they were already far behind. And although they searched through the night and for many days and nights after, they never found Saba or the mysterious horseman. Within the next moon cycle, the sound of the Fianna horns and the galloping hoofs of horses as they returned to the castle, victorious after defeating the invaders with ease as they were still the most magnificent fighting force they had always been. 
Finn was leading them home, and he looked around the welcoming crowd for Saba, but he couldn't see her. He did see his trusted steward looking down from a balcony with a look of fear and sorrow, and Finn knew within his heart that Saba had gone. As quickly as he could, Finn found his steward and asked him where Saba was. The steward begged for mercy before he told Finn the story of the lone horseman who looked like Finn who had come from the woodland one night and taken Saba away. Finn's heart broke as the steward repeated Saba's words that this was the one man she never wanted to see again. And he knew it was the fairy magician she had escaped from that had captured his beautiful wife and deep in his heart Finn knew he would never see Saba again. For many days and nights Finn remained alone in his room getting angrier and planning revenge on the magician before breaking down and sobbing uncontrollably at the loss of his wife. He would not go out to see his men and became unkept and dishevelled, turning away the stewards who wanted to wash him and clean his clothes. After many moons, one of the Fianna came to him and told him the men were restless and disgruntled whilst they had every sympathy for the pain and the loss he had to keep his men occupied to ensure that they remained loyal to him Finn agreed to allow them to chase the deer of the woodlands with their hounds again many many moons later Finn accepted his fate and agreed to ride with his men through the woodlands as always his faithful hounds, Bran and Sheolan, ran alongside him. It was the first time in a long time that Finn had felt alive. Whilst his heart remained broken, he began to feel a little more like himself again. Suddenly, Finn heard his hounds make a familiar noise, indicating that they had found something. He followed them deep into the dark woodlands of the kingdom where the trees stood ever closer together it was as if they were closing in around him and the bracken covered the woodland floor so dense that Finn's horse struggled to make it Bran and Sherlock stopped at the base of a large gnarly old yew tree that must have stood deep in the forest since the very beginning of time Finn dismounted from his horse and went to the clearing under the low branches of the massive yew tree. Bran and Cholan were snarling and baying at him to keep his distance, behaving just as they did when they found Saba as a doe all those years ago. Finn once again felt the tingling in his right thumb, indicating the presence of fairy magic. It was then that he saw a child, maybe five or six years old, behind Bran and Sholem. The child had long, straggly hair and his body was covered with dirt and stained with the green of the bracken. The boy snarled and jabbed a large stick towards Finn, but Finn managed to avoid it. 
but instead of retaliating, he dropped his sword to the ground and approached the boy with open arms. Finn knelt on one knee, bringing his face in line with that of the child's and said, I am Finn, your father, and I have been guided here by your mother, Saba, to take you home. The boy slowly and nervously walked towards Finn and they embraced for a long time. Finn's men of the Fianna arrived and they saw Finn holding the young child in his arms and they all knew that Finn had found his son. Finn picked up his son and said to his men, this is my son, whose name is Ocean. I have named him in memory of his mother and one day he will lead you and your sons. Now, for those who may not know, Oishan in Gaelic means little corn. And that is a very good place for us to end our story. Thank you for joining us today at The Nature Storyteller. I hope our stories have taken you to a beautiful place, deep within your own imagination. And at the same time, I hope you've gained more knowledge about the natural world and wild creatures that share it with us. Storytelling has always been a way for our ancestors to share their understanding, learning, wisdom and knowledge of their world. Through the generations, these stories have entertained, informed, and inspired people. And they continue to do so to this very day. Now it's time for me to return to the forest and begin a new adventure that I will share with you on the next Nature Storyteller 